Hey, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly podcast. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today's special guest is Keisha Rice. Keisha is a dating coach and two-time Emmy-nominated journalist. As a coach, Keisha helps successful Christian women learn how to attract quality men without compromising their values, identity, or sanity. As the daughter, sister, and niece of preachers, Keisha understands what it's like as a Christian woman to balance a conservative upbringing with modern hookup culture. And like many women in the corporate world, Keisha knows the challenges of being ambitious while maintaining your femininity. Keisha and her husband live in Atlanta, Georgia. And when she's not coaching or producing TV newscasts, Keisha loves to travel. Hope you enjoy today's episode. MSE Podcast is dedicated to talking about the hard stuff and facilitating the conversations necessary for growth, healing, transformation, and genuine community. Now it's your turn. My hope is that you finish this episode feeling empowered to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starters Deck available at bygracenp.com. May these cards inspire you to speak out and be heard, and may you be authentically embraced for the uniqueness of your journey. Keisha, I am so excited to have you as a guest on My Sentiments Exactly podcast to share your experience as a dating coach, a Christian dating coach, you coach Christian women, um, and you talk about just attraction, you talk about values, identity, and just overall sanity. So I'm really excited to have you on to share your experience. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I want us to dive right into it. Um, If you can just share a little bit about what you do and then if you want to share a few of the misconceptions and stereotypes associated with not just dating, but Christian dating, we'll get right into those. Sure. So you mentioned my name is Keisha Rice, and I am a dating coach for not just Christian women. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say, it's mostly Christian women, about 90%. I have clients who are also (laughs) Hindu and and Jewish and all that, but Christian women are my specialty, so you are not wrong. (laughs) But I also wanted to say that I help not just Christian women, but a very specific type of Christian women. Okay. These are women who are, you know, they're very ambitious. They have, you know, the great career or the great business. And the women I help, you know, they've kind of checked off all the other boxes. You know what I mean? Like, okay. you know, education, check, great career, great. check, mm-hmm. great friends, check. And now is, you know, I have this awesome life and I want someone to share it with. Got you. So I help women learn how to heal from their past relationships, get really clear on what it is that they want in a relationship, which talking about misconceptions, that is one of the hardest things for particularly women who've grown up in a church is Mm -hmm. really speaking their thoughts and their desires and what they want in a relationship. So I help them with that, learning how to embrace their femininity and then we also work on, you know, helping women put themselves out there 
and use their discernment in dating and in finding that right partner? Um, some people kind of frown upon just even the concept of Christian dating um, or just the goal of marriage because some people see it as if it's, I wouldn't go so far as to say that they think it's a form of idolatry, but the way the language is presented a lot of times, it may come across as if that is the only goal in life and that you haven't necessarily arrived until you've reached that. Have you experienced that at all or what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I will say particularly every time I put out any type of advertising or marketing, uh-huh. I always have comments on, you know, a Facebook ad or an Instagram comment that are something along the lines of, you know, you should just teach women to be happy by themselves. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, what you're doing is that's not biblical it's not christian believe me i've been called everything but a child of god really yes oh <laughs> and you know that's one of those things that yeah. I, I have friends who are interested in entrepreneurship and i always tell them if you're putting yourself out there if you're on facebook if you're on instagram youtube pinterest all of those different social media platforms you're going to get criticized. That's just oh, absolutely. the nature of the beast. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it comes with the territory. <laughs> yeah. So as far as that particular criticism, mm-hmm. one, I am a firm believer in a woman living a whole complete life with yeah. or without a man. Yeah. I believe that when you go into relationships, it is not 50-50. It is 100, 100. So Absolutely. it is two whole, healed, happy people coming together and multiplying their happiness, sharing their burdens. Uh-huh. It's not, you know, the movie um, with Tom Cruise where he says, you complete me. It's, it's not that type of situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, beyond that, we are not meant to live our lives alone. You know, when God created Adam, he created Eve shortly thereafter. We're meant to live our lives in relationship with others. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely grounds for having relationships. And I found not even just, you know, romantic relationships, but just the need for community in general. You help women to understand how to balance you say a conservative upbringing with a modern hookup culture. Yeah. So, you know, I alluded earlier that while 90% of my clients are Christian, Mm -hmm. I have women who come to me who are of other faiths and I tend to attract women who come from some sort of conservative background. Mm -hmm. So they're not Christian, they're Muslim, you know, strict Jewish household, Hindu, that type of thing. And what I mean by that is, you know, I am a preacher's kid myself. I grew up Pentecostal. Yeah. I'm a PK. (laughs) So you know the struggle. I Uh, did, girl. I know it. (laughs) I sure do. So you know, yeah, and I like I said, I grew up Pentecostal, so that's about as conservative as you get. Yeah. (laughs) And (laughs) you grow up in church and you hear things like basically close your legs and wait on Boaz. Um, in a nutshell (laughs) 
so so you hear these things and you you hear that you're supposed to just wait for yeah. the the right man to come you know you are not a disney princess no that's not <laughs> the reality here <laughs> god is not going to send some man to break into your home nope. and then just sweep you off your feet and if he did that would be incredibly creepy and you wouldn't be with it to begin with but you know anyway very true <laughs> So, you know, there are all these ideas when you grow up in those types of households, whether it's just sit and be pretty and wait. Mm -hmm. No, I can, I can definitely think back to my teenage years and my college years where my dad was always buying me new dresses for Easter and Christmas because, you Mm -hmm. know, that's when everybody and their mama comes to church and he wanted to make sure that I looked good for, you know, any of the single guys around. So... (laughs) So, you know, whether it's something like that, or I've had clients who are from cultures where arranged marriages are common, so they're fighting against that. Wow. You know, you have to deal with a situation where your family, your church, mosque, synagogue, whatever the case may be, is telling you certain things, and, you know you want to honor the way that you were raised. You want to honor how you grew up. At the same time, you live in a modern world where, you know, Tinder is a thing, where people do hook up, where not everyone takes sex as seriously. And, you know, I can definitely think of friends I have now that I would say are more sexually liberated than I am. Okay. you know, I don't knock their experiences. I don't knock their lifestyles. At the same time, it's not for me. Got you. So then you have situations where you grow up and you get into the real world and you meet different kinds of people and they're trying to tell you things like, oh, how you grew up is stupid or I don't understand. That, that doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of women have trouble finding that balance with what is it that I believe? Like, forget what exactly are putting in my ear, forget what my family and my church are putting in my ear. What do I believe? What am I comfortable with? What are my limits? That is so important. I love that you mentioned just the need for you to, to find your own identity and base your relationships off of that. I think that's, that's missing, especially within the church. Yeah, and it becomes this dirty little secret as well. Yes, so yes. I always always make this joke about when people ask me how long I've been a dating coach, officially two years now. Unofficially, you know, back to that whole idea of people calling me everything but a child of God, yeah. um, I got used to it because <laughs> as a teenager, I'm sure you can relate to this, you grow up as a PK you get some type of perception that the church is more important than you because your parent or parents are spending so much time dedicated to the church. And, you know, I went looking for attention and affection elsewhere. So I started dating at a young age. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I distinctly remember having, you know, in the church that I grew up attending, having women talk badly about me and mm. make comments about me and call me Jezebel and all that good stuff. Oh, but those exact same women when no one was around 
they were coming to me for dating advice. So unofficially, <laughs> I've been a dating coach for about 15 years now because, you know, I was yeah. 16 years old and there were women in their 20s and 30s and 40s coming to me for advice. Yep. But it's this dirty secret because like I said, when they thought I didn't hear anything, when they thought I wasn't around, they would get together with other women in the church and talk badly about it. Mm-hmm. But then you're coming to me for advice and as an adult I don't blame those women I completely get where it comes from completely understand it yeah but we have to get to a point in churches and you know for me personally in the black community and all these different settings where we talk about love we talk about dating we talk about relationships and we talk about sex, because if those things aren't talked about in our communities, people go elsewhere, and Uh people get ideas that are sometimes toxic. All the time. Mm -hmm. There definitely is a lack of education within the church on these topics, and that's, that's where the problem comes in a lot of times. I think I, like, I experienced that as well, because, you know, getting once I got married and even just going through the engagement, just thinking about now, you know, cause it's all about celibacy. And so then when you are engaged or you get married, it's like a whole new world. Yeah. And then even there you get into so many screwed up ideas. So, you know, my husband is, my husband grew up Catholic. Okay. So you know, there's, there's a little bit of religious difference between, you know, me growing up Protestant and him, him being Catholic, Uh but also his family is a little bit more open to talking about those types of things. Okay. Um, you know, also culturally I'm black and my husband, um, his family's from Mexico and Latin cultures tend to be a little bit more open talking about sexuality. So, you know, I can definitely remember when he and I, were dating and when he and I got engaged and everything you know I consider myself to be a fairly open and progressive person and Mm -hmm. even with that there were times that he would bring something up and I'm like whoa like not quite ready to have that (laughs) discussion yeah let's not talk about that (laughs) and you know we got to a point where you know how it is any relationship is a groove you kind of have to get into that type of that communication groove yeah. But I see this happen even with women that I know who've been married longer than I have. So I've been married um, a little over a year now. Um, my husband and I celebrated our one year anniversary in quarantine. So that was, that was lovely. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> so, you know, like I, I know women who have been married longer than I have. And I will say certain things because I'm like, you know, we're, we're girls, married, we're women, we can talk. And the reaction is like, oh no, like, Fringing. <laughs> no, we don't talk about that. Yeah. And it's crazy to me because churches have this tendency to teach women. It starts with, again, close your legs and wait on Boaz. Yep. Then Boaz comes and y'all get married. And it's like, yay, the marriage bed is not defiled. You can have sex now. Um, and then even with that, there's a little bit of 
well, you know, you have to do that to, to make your husband happy and everything. Mm-hmm. And there's no talk when a woman is younger about the fact that sex is not just a physical act. Mm-hmm. It is an emotional and spiritual and mental act as well. Yeah. There's yeah. no talk about the fact that a woman is allowed to embrace the things that she likes and that she is, you know, not just allowed, she has every natural born right to communicate with her husband what she likes and what she doesn't like. Exactly. There's, yeah, there's no talk about the fact that, you know, people make jokes about the man finally getting laid on his wedding day and all that great stuff. Exactly. But there's no talk about the fact that a woman's allowed to have pleasure as well. And that that actually strengthens the marriage. And there's no conversation around the fact that the act of sex is not bad. Because I think that's, that's, I would say that's a misconception just around this topic is that sex itself is bad. And so once you get married and it's like, like you said, the marriage bed is undefiled, then it's like, okay, what am I supposed to do? Because all these years I've, I've been taught that sex is bad. Yeah, and you see so many women, or maybe you don't, but, you know, when you are a dating coach, I get all kinds of messages. I get messages from married women, single women. I get messages from men, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But I see women all the time who come to me, and I get messages that are along the lines of, I'm married, but I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that not happiness is related to expectations. So, you know, talking about that whole balancing a conservative upbringing and modern culture, Mm -hmm. you know, I meet women all the time who are very much, I am woman, hear me roar. And (laughs) they're, (laughs) you know, they're ambitious, they're doing the thing in their jobs and their careers. And they marry a man who, when they were dating, the man was like, yeah, I support you. Like, go be in the corporate room and all that good stuff. And then they get married and the man is talking about, why aren't you cleaning the dishes more? Why aren't you, you know, and they don't even know how to have those discussions around gender roles and around what balance looks like. That's a major Yeah, and that's different for every couple, Mm -hmm. you know? They're like, I have friends who are very, very happy being Susie Homemaker. Like (laughs) that is a dream come true for them. So I'm not going to judge that woman because she does more around the house, you know? Yeah. I have friends who could not boil water, but they can order food like a champ, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But we aren't taught to have those discussions. And then when it comes to sex, you know, there are situations where, because it's not just women who get these ideas and who are, who are taught certain toxic ideas about sex, you know, you have men too who are taught, well, if you just wait and just hold out until you get married, it's, it's 24-7 sex fest and everything's going to be yes. all right. And, <laughs> yes. and, you know, like, that would be lovely. It, it really would. But we have jobs and we have friends and we have responsibilities and literally ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you get into these situations and it's not that these situations are marriage breakers. 
It is not that your husband is an a-hole. It is the fact that he was given certain perceptions or he was put in a situation where because nobody in the household even talked about sex, he just kind of had to figure out things on his own. And his perceptions are based on what he sees on TV or in the movies. And you weren't taught about any of these things and you weren't taught how to speak your voice and speak your concerns. So the two of you are in a situation where you're unhappy because you don't know how to communicate. So let me ask you this. Obviously there is a lack of education and discussion and discussion. We'll talk about church leaders that are actually open to discussing these topics when is the appropriate time to do that? In what context? How should that be incorporated into ministry for those that are actually interested in involving that as a part of their ministry? So when it comes to having these discussions in the church, a pastor has to get very real with him or herself. Are you even comfortable talking about this? Mm -hmm. Because if you're not then know that there are people who are. You know, one of the reasons why I am a dating coach is because part of my faith and my belief in Christianity is I believe that the Bible is instruction for practical living. It's not just, you know, a magic book. (laughs) And I, I joke a lot about, you know, ministers in churches have Sunday covered. And I like to talk to women about how to handle that Monday through Saturday in their relationships and in their love lives. So if you are a pastor and you're not comfortable, then there are dating coaches, there are relationship coaches, there are sex coaches who you can partner with and bring in to talk about these types of things. Beyond that, we have to normalize it. So, you know, I grew up with, again, my dad, is a minister. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. And, you know, I started assisting my mom as, you know, helping her teach when I was in like first grade. By the time I was 12, I had my own class. You know, I would see that a lot in attending the teachers meetings because, you know, I might have been half their age or third their age or fourth their age. But, you know, I was teaching classes too. So I had to go to these things. Yeah. And you would see situations where it was, oh, uh, Billy brought up something in the in class today about sex or, or, or about our bodies, uh-huh. and I just shut it down. So, you know, we have to normalize talking about those things. Uh-huh. And one of the ways in which we do it is, I always say all relationships are related. So if you have an issue in your romantic relationships, I can guarantee that you also have issues with your family, with your friends, with coworkers, somewhere along those lines, you know? Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to talk about, to a, to a five-year-old girl, you don't have to talk to her about consent and sex, yeah. but yeah. you can talk to her about boundaries. You can talk to her about how yes means yes and no, no means no. Those are, those are concepts that you can talk about as easy as some other kid asks, can she split her candy bar? And the answer is no, that's a boundary she set, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can make it age appropriate, but right. still talking about it. 
Right. So I think we have to be very conscious about teaching those things at a very young age. So like if we're not talking about sex to an elementary school student, what are we talking about? We're talking about communication skills. We're talking about boundaries. We're talking about what it means to come through for another person in a relationship. In this case, that's friendship, but it's still a relationship and we're teaching healthy relationships from a very young age. And then when we get to a point where, you know, you're talking about children who are say middle and high school age, Mm -hmm. I remember growing up in church, there was a girl at my church who got pregnant at 12 years old. Mm. So we can't pretend that these discussions don't happen and that these things don't happen outside of church. And if a girl or a boy is curious he or she is going to find information someplace. Yeah. I'd much rather he or she get that information in a safe community Mm -hmm. than to get pregnant at 12 years old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so we have to start introducing that. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to start saying, hey, do you have any questions about dating? Do you have any questions about relationships? And again, this can be a thing where the pastor's not comfortable, the Sunday school teacher's not comfortable. They're also, you know, I help adult women, but there are dating and relationship professionals, whether that's a therapist Mm -hmm. or um, parenting coaches who specifically handle those age groups. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that. I think that's, that's an amazing recommendation because a lot of times it's, is taken as if it's just for the pastor to do. And I think that's when it's just kind of pushed under the rug. Like we're not doing that, you know, over the pulpit. So I'm glad. Or it's pushed as, oh, that's for the parents to do. And sometimes, you know, you kind of have a problem with that. If the child doesn't know how to communicate because the parents don't know how to communicate, how to communicate because the grandparents don't, you know? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And you have these cycles. Yeah. Yes. And it's so healthy to have someone else to come in, especially, you know, how church culture is now. (laughs) Yeah. Like if, if you were to have the pastor or someone that is, let's say a member of the church that's talking about it or a leader in the church, the, the person might not feel comfortable. The the children um, or even the teenagers and adults, whatever age group, they might not feel comfortable talking about it to someone that they're going to be seeing every week or, you know, so I think it's also healthy just to have someone that can look at things objectively. And um, the, the, I know that I would feel more, I would have felt more comfortable talking to someone that would come from outside um, into the church to discuss. You don't necessarily know the person personally. Yeah. And again, with the normalizing it, you know, I also, I have seen churches have meetings about sex um, I've seen very few churches, but I've seen one or two. <laughs> okay, I haven't, but <laughs> again, I've seen one or two. I, I've not seen this Maybe very commonly. <laughs> but even in the cases where I've seen that, it was something where it was a special meeting that basically all the parents forced their kids to attend, and it was, you know, like I, I can think of a very of one in particular where the church did bring in someone outside and there was talk about it for like weeks beforehand. Like, do we know this person? Is it going to be okay? 
And again, it was like a, a Friday night where teenagers don't want to be coming to church to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, all these things that really did not set the event up for success. Mm-hmm. Like bring somebody in during Sunday school. <laughs> I'll crucify you. Just, just, do, <laughs> just do it while they're already there. Heresy. And, and make it, make it a normal thing. Hey, this Sunday, we're having a special le- lesson. You have a guest teacher. And then let the regular teacher peace out. Because back to that whole idea of them being more comfortable with a stranger. You know, just, just do that. And don't make it a big deal. Because when you make this, this huge deal, you are inadvertently amplifying that message of sex is dirty, sex is different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas if all your your kids just show up for regular, you know, summer right now, regular vacation Bible school or yeah. regular um, Sunday school, and they're just like, hey, guess what? Guess teacher, peace out. They're not <laughs> going to make as big of a deal about it. So in terms of just the taboo and the stigma surrounding this topic, what because I see so many people, I mean, I really didn't care too much about it when I was single, but I see a lot of people either just really self-loathing because of their singleness or um, as they would put it, like inability to find a, a good man or, you know, a good woman and what would you say is the, is there even a problem? Because I think it's presented as like, there's this, there's this problem, but what do you say when someone is just kind of not necessarily seeing where they are as a, as a bad thing, but just this feeling of like incompleteness that comes with singleness, I guess. Yeah. So first of all, this is especially true for women. We have to get over being addicted to timelines. Mm, you know, yeah. Running timeline in the head of, I graduate high school at 18. I graduate college at 21 or 22. And then I get this job. And then by 25, I'm married. And I have my first baby at 26 and baby number two at 28. Um, it's all well and good. Not saying that that doesn't happen. I have friends who went to college to get their MRS. You know, they're misses. They went to college to get married. So, <laughs> okay, it took me a minute, but I got you. <laughs> so, you know, I have friends who are at that point where they've been married for, you yeah. know, some seven and 10 years because they went to college to find a husband and they're happy and all the power to them. I also know that when I got married, there was a three at the front of my age. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm perfectly happy. Yeah, And I also love the experiences that I've lived in life. You know, I've traveled. When I was engaged, I spent that year that my husband and I were engaged. Let's see, I did, I did a bunch of solo travel and I went to New Orleans. I went to Miami and to Key West and to Montreal and to Portugal. And um, I went to Cuba. And I honestly can't think right now of all the places that I went. I did a lot of travel that year. Wow, amazing. <laughs> First of all, you have to let go of that timeline. You have to accept that you, that not only can you have an amazing life while you're single, Mm -hmm. but that's also part of the point. 
is to build yourself as a full, complete human being who has a lot to offer a partner. Exactly. Exactly. So then beyond that, the other issues that I see particularly women having are back to that not really knowing what she wants. You know, I have women who come to me all the time and they're like, well, you know, I just want a man of God who, you know, he loves Jesus Um, and we pray every day and, and, you know, he's, he's just a a godly man. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, boo, I can introduce you to plenty of godly men who are also incredibly boring, you know? (laughs) Or one of the other boxes is not checked. (laughs) Right. So getting really clear on what it is that you do want, which is part of having that life experience. Because as you're dating, as you're living, as you're meeting people, you start to understand what you want and what you need in a relationship. Uh You know, I remember when I was single, having this very crazy idea that I wanted to date the male version of me. And (laughs) that's problematic for so many reasons. Yeah. One of the big reasons that was problematic was I am very type A and you know, I was meeting men who checked off those lists where, you know, they were Mm -hmm. ambitious too, and and they had the degrees too, and they were type A too. And we were bringing out the worst in each other, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So my husband now is a lot more laid back and I always joke, he calls my crazy, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it took me a while to realize that I needed someone like that. Yeah. So that is the point of dating is to meet people, to get to know someone. Exactly. And and it's really less about getting to know other people than it is about getting to know what works for you and what you need and what you don't want and what you don't need. Yeah. And I think some people just play so much seriousness that like they take the dating period so serious. Like it's not just a grounds for people to get to know each other it becomes like, this is my destiny partner. And And anything goes wrong. Yes. (laughs) And it's like, that is too much pressure just for the dating period. Like, and that's, I was experiencing some of that pressure. It's it's just so much pressure and seriousness placed on the dating period that I think causes people to be be, um, discontent. Because if you thought this was going to be your destiny partner, and then for whatever, just because you all did not, y'all just weren't a good fit for each other. Now this means that your destiny is ruined, that you're going to like be single for the rest of your life. And that, you know, Satan was trying to come at you with a relationship. And that's just too much. Like, no, y'all just weren't compatible. It's not that deep. (laughs) Get what I'm saying? Like, no, I can, I can think of, I have a very distinct example coming to mind right now. (laughs) When I was in my early 20s, so, you know, it's not just my dad as a minister. I come from a whole family of them, Um, ministers, prophets, bishops, all that good stuff. And (laughs) my um, aunt and uncle pastor a church. So I remember being maybe 22 and going to visit them, going to their church. And I kid you not, my uncle is in the pulpit. And he stands up and he's like, by the way, my beautiful niece Keisha's here. You know, um, you know, she's she's such a, a great girl. She's at the time I was I had just graduated college and I was a journalist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she went to she went to University of South Carolina and 
and she's a journalist and and she's always helping us with stuff here at the church and everything Keisha stand up stand up so I stand up and he's like by the way she's single oh no (laughs) oh no (laughs) yes like that 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 definitely happened so And it wasn't the first time it happened, but I remember this particular time because I was already, you know, pissed that uh, that yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and after the service, because yes, the story gets worse. Oh uh, no. I'm not <laughs> after the service, there's there's a church dinner because you know how black churches are. We love our church dinners after. Yes, sir. And we we do that, and my aunt, you know, uh, his wife also co-pastor the church and all that. Mm-hmm. brings this guy and like basically forces him to sit down right next to me oh my god like and she even says it. she's like you know Keisha's dad is is a minister and Keisha this guy his his dad is a minister and the two of you need to like talk and everything oh, so it's just meant to be yes <laughs> <laughs> oh believe me I was set up with so many preacher sons it's ridiculous oh god but, <laughs> But I remember this particular one because he and I actually, like, you know, we exchanged phone numbers and everything and we went out and I was so, I was, I was so happy because we had lunch together and at the very end of the lunch, he was like, Hey, I really think that you're cool. Like you are so smart. Like you're, you're awesome and everything, but I don't feel anything romantic. And I looked at him and I was like, I completely agree. Well, and, good, yeah. <laughs> and he and I were friends for several years after that. Um, okay. You know, we've kind of lost touch with, touch with each other, but it was like, that was a good friendship. And yeah. both of us enjoyed the fact that, you know, we had somehow survived our families and had gotten yeah. over their perceptions and were able to have a friendship and yeah. not make it about, oh, we need to get married after the first day. Exactly. You can be (laughs) friends. It's like if they hand you a church fan, it's meant to be. And it's like, no, it's every interaction within the church between a young man and a young woman does not mean that it is all of a sudden the Lord. No. And also (laughs) there is value. People, particularly in church, don't seem to understand this concept. There is value in having genuine friendships with the opposite sex and that's another that's another taboo thing (laughs) but you know this is something that i see particularly and we talk about sexism Mm -hmm. and you know i can think in in particular with all the news surrounding you know the the black lives matter movement Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of talk about support black women and black women don't get as much respect or support or aren't cherished as much and this is one of the reasons why frankly is because there is so much talk about you know there's so much talk to men Mm -hmm. about a woman being I don't want to say nothing more than than your wife or your girlfriend or your partner but yeah there there's so much talk of looking at women as objects of love Exactly. of marriage and frankly objects of sex mm-hmm. so then these men get in situations where they don't know how to treat a woman as if she's a fellow human being yeah yeah like treating a woman just as a woman yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah that's major 
that's another that's another taboo topic men and women being friends i mean women being objectifying it just gets into so much but you have you have really addressed a lot of things in this episode that i'm hoping will be very helpful not just to those that are single but maybe people i know parents who are trying to set up <laughs> you know relationships for their children or maybe grandparents that are trying to set up relationships for their grandchildren um i'm hoping this will help um just to address some of the issues surrounding dating especially as a christian um and just learning how we can normalize it have these conversations not just outside of the church but within the church and you know knowing that it is possible and you've made some excellent you know recommendations for doing that so i really want to thank you for coming on and again sharing your experiences but also sharing some of what you do and offering practical ways that we can have healthy a healthy view on sex on love on dating as christians so thank you so much i really appreciate it yeah, and let me let me add to that. Like when you yeah. talk about parents, it is okay to admit. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is that when you know better, you do better. <laughs> so it is okay to admit that you don't really know how to talk about sex to your yeah, kids. Be honest. Because you weren't taught that. Your parents didn't model that for you. Exactly. So it's okay if your kids come to you with a question about sex for you to say, I don't hey. Know. I am not exactly sure right now, or I'm not exactly sure how to talk to you about this. Can you give me a couple of days? Yeah, but don't just, okay. don't just brush it off and never address it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, for real, say a couple of days and actually come back a couple of days later. And in that meantime, it is okay for you to go on Amazon and get a book. That's true. <laughs> and to read that book yourself to make sure that you approve of it for your child and then Absolutely. to be like hey you know let's read this book together let's talk about it together yeah you know I I have a woman who follows me on Instagram and she's in her 60s and she messaged me one time that she and she said hey I started following you on Instagram then I found you on Facebook and YouTube and some of your videos I showed to my granddaughter so it's okay not to know just but find out Absolutely. Yeah. And if you say, I'll get back with you, really do get back with them. <laughs> yes. Teach your, teach your children to be men and women of their word. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That is so good. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. And, you know, speaking of people finding out about your Instagram and your YouTube and hopefully other people will be able to reach out, but where can people stay connected with you, your coaching services, or um, maybe they want to refer you to someone Sure. So um, Instagram is a great place to go. So it's Instagram um, at Keisha Rice, K-E-S-H-I-A, Rice, R-I-C-E. And if you go to my bio, there's a free class there right now on the qualities that a woman needs to have to attract a healthy relationship. There's also, I have a course there on how to establish and communicate and maintain your boundaries mm -hmm. and there's links to my facebook and my youtube so great and i will have all of those links in the episode description 
Again, thank you so much, Keisha, for coming on and sharing your experience. Thank you to everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Keisha on social media. Did you enjoy this episode? If you haven't already, subscribe on your favorite listening platform and our new YouTube channel with video interviews premiering in season three. I'd also love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing MSE Podcasts Conversation Starters Deck, available for purchase at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend, and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE Podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms by gracenp.com and YouTube now. Hope to hear from you soon.